Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Junity Wealth Management. And thanks for joining us here again this week for last week today, where we cover off uh, everything that we saw in the markets, everything we see uh, up and coming in the markets, and talk about portfolio strategies uh, that you can uh, take advantage of or protect, uh, depending on what's going on in the, uh, in the general economy out there. Uh, and with that, as always, keep in mind, everything we cover on here is for information purposes only. Do reach out to us at MikeOnMoney.com if you have any specific questions, uh, you want to talk about your, your situation and uh, how we might be able to help or, or at least point you in the right direction uh, when it comes to your portfolios and investing, or at minimum, do your own due diligence uh, before implementing any strategy in your investments. So with that, as we always touch a bit on COVID-19, these are getting shorter and shorter, uh, thankfully. Uh, basically, here in BC and across Canada, province by province, we're basically seeing the restrictions being lifted, uh, you know, whether it be ma mask mandates or the passport mandates uh, are all pretty much uh, in process, if not somewhat lifted, uh, depending on, on what province you're in. There's still international um, rules, so if you are starting to travel, as always, double-check your destinations, double-check the requirements for getting there, but also really double-check the requirements for coming back. Uh, they, uh, they, they tend to change, and, and someone who has traveled recently, um, you know, most of the chaos we saw in the airport was... Uh, people unprepared. So, you know, whether they didn't have their RiveCan app properly downloaded or, you know, didn't have the test uh, done, uh, they thought that they had been lifted or, or, or. So just make sure you, you double check any travel requirements, both for your destination and, uh, and all your destinations, if you have layovers anywhere, uh, but also your, your return, uh, and not just the current, but, you know, try to stay on top of it. Because as we've seen in the past, uh, they can change on the fly, and you might find yourself um, with some out-of-date data. Uh, and if it goes the other way, then uh, then that can be a concern. Uh, we are seeing, we'll talk a little bit about it uh, today in, in as far as economic news, we are seeing the coronavirus uh, cases climb in China again. We're seeing more uh, restrictions being put back into place there. Um, they have a pretty uh, strict zero tolerance strategy that, uh, in China to to control or maintain the breakouts to to they're limited the regions anyway. Um, but with that, uh, in the rest of the world so far, it's pretty much been heading the other way as of right now. So we'll uh, we'll keep an uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, what are we watching for this week? Well, before I get into any of the, the economic news, uh, of course, we're watching the, the Ukraine situation. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, not just that situation, but the impact on the markets uh, throughout today's presentation, because it is it is having an impact and this is going to have a bigger impact in the coming days. So I will keep, uh, keep an eye on that. But what we're looking at this week definitely is the uh, Produced a price index for February. The uh, FOMC meeting uh, is, is this week on interest rates. Uh, Canadian housing starts for February numbers are coming out. So all those are going to lead into kind of what our expectations for the markets are over the next week. Uh, stock futures have been pretty rocky or the stock market has been a bit rocky. Uh, they were off today uh, just on that rise in, in, in cases in China. Uh, obviously still coupled 
uh, with the concerns around the war in U Ukraine. And then of course we have interest rate, uh, interest rate heights. Um, do you remember back when our biggest concern was inflation and interest rate? Now we have COVID interest, inflation, war, uh, all going on at the same time, all affecting uh, the, the inputs and outputs of, of our modeling and, and what we see coming up in the market. So we're gonna dive into that uh, quite a bit today. Uh, the Feds, uh, as I mentioned, are kicking off a two-day meeting uh, where it's expected we're going to see a quarter-point uh, rate in increase. We saw Canada do it already. We're looking at the U.S. to come out roughly the same. Uh, they're going to be looking really closely at the wholesale inflation data to be uh, to be introduced on Tuesday. And again, we're just at the early stages of the spike in inflation that we're seeing out of the Ukraine situation. So uh, all this is going to be discussed in a lot of detail over the next couple of days. And, and we'll see uh, see how that uh, that plays out. Uh, hedge funds uh, slash their oil positions amid extreme volatility. So as we talked about last week, we definitely saw oil spike, uh, largely just on the Russia-Ukraine situation. Of course, uh, countries around the world um, uh, cutting off the their purchases uh, of Russian oil, which means. Uh, the supply fell off dramatically. Russia is a big producer of oil. Um, so we saw a spike in those prices. Uh, that's come off. We've seen oil uh, dip below the $100 mark. Uh, but that doesn't mean necessarily uh, oil, you know, as far as an investment goes, is, is, is over. Just that spike is pulled back. We might see it spike again. And there's a lot of unknowns still when it comes to Ukraine. Uh, and Russia, but at the same time, uh, prior to the Ukraine-Russian situation, uh, we did uh, we were going into a bit of an energy crunch. We were already seeing the oil prices ramping up, and profitabilities for those companies ramping up. So that's not likely to that trend's not likely to change. Uh, and also, even if there is a resolution to the Ukraine-Russia situation, uh, that doesn't mean countries around the world are going to turn the tap on to Russian oil overnight. In fact. Uh, likely solution will be uh, uh, other other oil from less than friendly places, but more friendly than Russia right now. Uh, obviously, the Ukraine crisis has hit the metal uh, the metals out there. The uh, the London Metal Exchange has, has taken off. We've seen you know not just gold and precious metals, but things like nickel, uh, which is a big a lot of production coming out of Russia and Ukraine. All that's been turned off. So uh, we're going to see, again, see those spikes in those metal, uh, the base metals uh, until we get some sort of resolution or some sort of insight as to how all this is going to play out. With that, um, as I mentioned, the, the, the Fed are dealing with a very complex trifecta. Uh, in December, of course, they were focusing on the inflationary numbers and how that was going to affect the interest rate heights. And the markets had pretty much determined exactly what those interest rate heights were going to look like for 2022 and where they were going to be spaced. And all that goes out the window. So for the next two days, uh, it's going to be really interesting to listen to the language coming out of there, how this war is, 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 is affecting things, how they perceive the pandemic, right? Are, you know, is the Fed going to be worried about what's happening in China? Are, they, are we worried about another wave? Uh, I can't remember what wave we're on anymore, but another wave. Uh, or is it going, going to be strictly just inflation and war-driven inflation and how are they going to react to that? Uh, U.S. consumers, um, you know, have lifted a little bit. There's their spirits and their outlook uh, has gotten better from last week uh, as far as 
you know, what they see this year. They, there is expectations of more uh, cost increase when it comes to food and gas and rent over the next 12 months. Uh, they are expecting interest rate hikes, but it seems like the market or the, you know, at least the, the market sentiment is that they've accepted that. That's just going to happen. We're not sure when and how it's going to play out, but the market seems to have accepted that those facts. Uh, and in fact, we, we, we've seen the gas price spike, of course. And there's a lot of talk out there, especially on the internet, about who's to blame and what's to blame. Uh, and uh, and there's probably you know all different kinds of, of, of shade uh, or different levels uh, of where blame could be uh, could be laid. But obviously, the spike in price of oil uh, has driven that up quite uh, quite sharply. Uh, and of course, it's not coming down as fast as the price of oil uh, comes back down. So, uh, but that's typical. You know, uh, we've all experienced it in the last decade where when oil, you know gas prices hit a new high uh they've kind of got a new plateau that you know people accept uh and they really don't go back you know way back down again so probably not going to see gas prices get back to their previous kind of uh price and range that they were very likely to stay in a new higher range not at peak levels but new or higher range and food is, is going to be impacted dramatically. I mean, there's a lot of talk around grain because of course, uh, Russia and Ukraine are big pro uh, producers of grain. Uh, Ukraine obviously uh, often being referred to, to Europe's bread basket, uh, referring to how much grain they provide for, for bread and baked goods uh, in Europe, especially Canada less affected um, and US less affected, but at the same time that's driving up the price, which means uh, everywhere around the world, those types of products are going to, uh, to increase. Uh, so we're definitely going to see that impact things at the grocery store, even more so than we've seen already. So uh, just as we saw spikes in the uh, oil prices, we're definitely uh, going to see more spike in the food prices. It just takes a little bit longer to trickle through the food, uh, the food supply chain than it does uh, oil and gas. Uh, so as we, you know, just were coming out of the supply chain issues from the pandemic, we go into a brand new uh, supply chain issue uh, dealing with this this war, given Russia and Ukraine's contribution, especially to um, uh, natural resources. Uh, the U.S. is is stepping up their 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 program to delist China's uh, Chinese ADRs. Uh, which is uh, putting a lot of stress on certain investments. Uh, so if you're, so if you're investing globally, uh, you, you might use ADRs, deposit receipts. Basically, what they are are uh, phantom stocks. Best way I could describe them is you're not actually buying stocks in a Chinese company, but you're buying a, a deposit receipt which trades on the U.S. exchange, which owns or tracks um, the underlying security on the Chinese market. So. Uh, you buy in U.S. dollars, it trades, uh, you, you know, easy liquidity uh, on the U.S. exchange, uh, but you're actually tracking the underlying security over in China. Obviously, with everything that's going on, the global sanctions, uh, Chinese uh, involvement and, and help, uh, or perceived help anyway, with Russia during this crisis, uh, the U.S. government is moving to delist those uh, from the New York exchange and also uh, stop any new ones. So any funds or any uh, ETFs uh, or any kind of investments into those uh, have to be un unwound in those funds. 
uh, or if you own them directly in your portfolios, of course, uh, you'll want to get rid of them because as they get delisted, then they become, you, you wouldn't be able to trade them anymore. So, um, so that's putting more pressure on those markets. Uh, and we've already seen those steps taken uh, for anything uh, Russia related as well. Uh, and I don't think we're, we're, we've seen the end that that's, that's going to continue. Uh, Biden's uh, Fed nominee Raskin is imperiled by uh, key Democrat Democrats uh, opposition. Uh, so as we've seen in other things that uh, the Biden administration has tried to put through the Senate, uh, you know, there's a couple of, you know, because it is such a tight Senate, you know, uh, basically one vote separates between the Republicans and Democrats. Um, they're, uh, you know, they've had a couple of uh, Democrat Democratic senators who have kind of split away from party lines uh, in the past. We saw that in the Build Back Better uh, programs. Uh, and now we're seeing it uh, around the, the, the nominee for, uh, for, the, uh, for the top Fed reserve position. Um, now that doesn't kill it, but uh, it does put a lot of pressure on, uh, on the Biden administration to kind of get that pushed through or to get uh, one or two uh, uh, Republicans to uh, to vote their way. So we'll keep an eye on that to see if he gets that through. Uh, and let's take a look what's happening this week. Uh, as I mentioned, the, uh, the Federal Open Market Committee is going to meet for two days, uh, looking at that interest rate hike, first time since 2018. So, you know, expect continued volatility in the markets with that happening. Uh, the Labor Department uh, is scheduled to release, release the U.S. producers' price data uh, to show the uh, the price uh, producer price index uh, is expected to rise, it, uh, should jump to 10% increase uh, following a 9.7% increase in the previous month. So that's just inflation continuing to push. Uh, there's no expectations that inflation has not gone up when we look at what the the, uh, the war impact has been on just those uh, those resource products. Uh, and we've seen the uh, the eighth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Paul's will continue, sorry, will consider whether or not uh, to force Minnesota's Attorney General to litigate in federal court rather than uh, state court a lawsuit against Exxon and other members of the fossil fuel industry uh, about misleading them or downplaying the threat of climate change. So, uh, so this is not something unheard of and it's not something new. And we're going to see a lot of this when it comes to fossil fuels. Uh, over the next, I would say, five years, as more and more uh, uh, lawsuits come out, whether it be around climate change, impact of the change, uh, those change, health. We saw very similar types of lawsuits happen in the tobacco industry uh, when uh, when they finally came out and admitted that smoking is bad for you, uh, and that they put a lot of effort into making people more and more addicted, make it more and more concentrated over the years. Uh, and they hid that data. So there was a lot of lawsuits around, you know, healthcare costs and impact on society. Now we're going to see that with fossil fuel. Uh, but while that's being said, that's happening. Of course, you have companies like Exxon uh, posting their largest profit, uh, quarterly profit ever last quarter. So, you know, things continue to move on from them. Other news in the U.S., Citigroup uh, has expanded its Russian withdrawal, uh, raising the prospect of some losses for Citigroup. So uh, this is basically being accelerated by more and more Wall Street banks pulling out of Russia. You've probably seen the news. More and more companies are pulling out of there, closing operations uh, or stopping any new business. Uh, and, and Citigroup's 
following suit with that, uh, along with their their rivals on Wall Street uh, down in the U.S. Uh, and globally, of course. Uh, Pfizer and Bayer are going to maintain their their services into China. Uh, you know, their view is that uh, they're going to maintain humanitarian supply of medicines to Russia. Uh, you know, Russian people, of course, are, are being affected by all these uh, different uh, restrictions that are being put into place. Their lifestyle obviously being affected um, by their leaders or their, you know, not just their leader, but the leader's uh, actions in the Ukraine. Uh, but Pfizer and Bayer are going to continue with um, vital medicines and supplies, but they are going to pull back on non-essential uh, spending in the country. So still impacting uh, for their non-essential products. Uh, Chevron is, is ready and set to trade Venezuelan oil. So as I mentioned before, uh, you know, with the Russian oil supply off the market, uh, the U.S. and other countries are looking at other, uh, other places to buy necessary uh, oil. Obviously, Canada's on that, uh, on that list, although Canada uh, could have supplied all that oil if the Exxon, uh, sorry, the XL pipeline had gone through, uh, but that was, uh, that was killed. Maybe that comes back, uh, you know, into play for future, uh, but they're, they're looking, uh, the U.S. is looking to replace that uh, Russian oil uh, quickly. Uh, they do have sanctions on Venezuela right now that they could lift, kind of the lesser of two evils. Uh, and if they do, Chevron's ready to, to start accepting uh, oil immediately from, uh, from Venezuela, which would ease the supply. And, and, and that's where you've seen some soft, uh, optimism, optimism on the oil price uh, as we see the price come off its, uh, come off its, its highs there. Uh, Wall Street Bank's staff is about to churn. So uh, if you're not aware, Wall, Wall Street, especially on the, uh, the investment banking side of things, a large part of their compensation is annual bonuses. So whenever we have, you know, a, a very tight uh, labor market like we have right now, so there's a lot of demand out there, uh, a lot of poaching being uh, done by com competitive firms trying to recruit top bankers, uh, you know, across the uh, across the uh, uh, the hallway to new offices. Uh, but they, you know, hold off on those opportunities until they get paid their bonus. Well, in the next uh, few weeks, we're going to see those bonuses paid out. And as soon as they get their bonus, uh, if they are looking at new opportunities and if they, uh, you know, are, are being lured uh, with higher pay or better opportunity, uh, we'll probably see a big shuffle happen in, on Wall Street over the coming weeks. It's happened before. It will happen again. It's just a symptom of, of, of their compensation structure happening, you know, largely once a year. So everyone waits till after that to make some moves. Uh, Bristol and Nectar are terminating uh, a melanoma therapy trial after failed studies. So, uh, you know, as we see a lot of the pharmaceutical is having, you know, a great year with the developments of the, the vaccine and, and increased earnings from that. Uh, Bristol and Nectar actually were working uh, very closely uh, into uh, uh, two late stage studies around uh, therapy to work on melanoma patients. Uh, and that trial fa failed to meet the goals that they were, or at least the expected goals. Uh, so they'll be scrapping that. So that'll hurt their expected earnings for the coming quarters. On the foreign exchange front, the US, uh, the US dollar uh, edged slightly lower on some uh, 
tentative optimism around Russia-Ukraine peace talks. We did see some, uh, some at least positive comments coming out of the talks uh, over the weekend or late into the weekend. <clears throat> now that being said, the last couple times we we've heard some some you know positive uh, talks. It was all a distraction for increased. Uh, um, deployment uh, by Russia into the Ukraine, so we'll have to keep a close eye on that. But we did see a little bit, uh, a little bit of edging down on the safe haven U.S. dollar, and a little edging up on the euro. Not a lot, though, uh, as we continue to see, um, you know, obviously that that war risk uh, being priced in. Uh, and with that, we saw the uh, the Treasury yields down, but remain at their highest point since 2019. Uh, after topping uh, over 2.16%. As I mentioned on the oil price, we did tuck down below $100 a barrel. I think I saw around 93 a barrel this morning. Still, uh, you know, a, a big run up from late last year. Uh, and we still have uh, that energy crisis. It's just off that peak as countries have, you know, the, the fear of having the Russian supply turn off and, and, and now kind of some optimism that, uh, that we'll be able to, to secure other other supply uh, uh, sources uh, to just keep uh, keep the price around that hundred dollar barrel mark, uh, but we continue to see more ramping up. We're seeing more travel happening. We'll actually have to see how how that plays out. Travel was increasing dramatically with all the you know uh, different requirements being lifted. Um, however, you know obviously, especially European travel right now. Uh, is going to raise a red flag for a lot of people as to whether that's something they want to entertain given what's going on and and obviously impacted a lot or it's going to be impacted a lot by the, the flood of refugees into some of the European countries as we've seen already uh, I think the last number I saw was around 2.8 million people fleeing Ukraine uh, for uh, for refugee status in other countries. Gold price uh, continued continues to be uh, elevated. We saw a little bit, again, uh, weakness off the top. But that being said, we have all this inflation. We have war. Uh, gold tends to do well in, in those conditions and will likely continue to be strong uh, for the coming weeks uh, in, in, into probably mid-2022. Uh, again, really until we see any kind of light or potential uh, outcome to this war, uh, all these things are going to remain volatile. The market's going to remain volatile, as we mentioned, going into this, not because of the war, but going into this, we were expecting a volatile year. This hasn't changed that outlook other than it's added uh, another layer uh, of, of concern uh, that's going to have to play out, that uncertainty is going to have to play out. So be cautious. Don't chase the markets. You know, if you see a really uh, a strong up day, uh, again, I wouldn't chase after that. Chances are there'll be a sell-off the day or two afterwards, um, you know, to come, come off those highs. Uh, as always, you know, if you do want to be more active, try to trim a little bit. Don't sell out into those, those, those green days, as we call them, you know, those up days. But trim back a little bit and then redeploy when you see the pullbacks. That's, you know, that's where you'll, you'll, you'll do uh, well in these markets. Uh, don't, um, you know, don't expect to buy at the bottom. Don't expect to sell at the top. Just, you know, be, uh, be conservative with the money. Uh, don't be impatient to jump back into things. Uh, we are going to see volatility here. This is you know, not going to be solved overnight. So, you know, be patient. Look for you know the, the right valuations for what you're trying to achieve. 
you will find them uh, if you're just a little patient uh, and, and get through this. So there is still this big uh, potential risk of, of recession. Uh, we have the U.S. Fed now, or well, the central banks around the world. Uh, we talked about this all last year, you know, this vision of, you know, the supply chain, inflation, and how they were going to use interest rates to orchestrate that soft land and the, the slowdown of the economy without sending the, um, sending the economy into a recession. Well, now they have that war piled on there. So what does that mean? Will they be able to do it? More and more the consensus moving that they're not going to be able to do it, that we could slide into a recession. Very likely that recession will be very short-lived um, and, and over fairly quickly, but we could easily slide into a recession territory uh, given everything that's gone on. So be cautious, be patient. That goes for both your fixed income side of things and your equity side of things. Uh, we'll keep you updated as much as we can on what's going on and what we've seen happening out there. But the best, uh, the best advice I can give you right now is patience. Look for the right, uh, the right values for your portfolio. Uh, and if you do move in, and you, again, you're not buying at the bottom. If you got in at a good value, don't worry. As I said, we don't expect this to be long lived. We do see opportunities on the horizon. Uh, it's just going to take a little bit longer uh, time given the war and the uncertainty that that brings uh, to the markets. So with that, as always, visit us at michaelmoney.com with any of your questions, uh, any recommendations you have for us, anything that uh, you would like us to take a deeper dive into, uh, or if you just uh, have uh, uh, want us to, to help you look at your portfolio or take a look at how things are going in your investments, uh, given everything that's going on out there. But with that, Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you can listen to this uh, on our podcast or a replay on YouTube, uh, as always, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Take care.